I want to talk about faith and fatalism. Because if you don't understand the difference, you get yourself in bother. Uh, there are too many people around who would say, well, uh, you know, what can I do? If God doesn't do it, it won't get done. And you become a fatalist. And many Christians don't know the difference between faith and fatalism, and they live with fatalism. They don't live with faith, but they think it's faith. And it's unfortunate. So what is the difference between true faith in God and religious fatalism? How many times do I hear people say, oh, just trust the Lord? Well, I want to tell you, just trusting the Lord when it becomes fatalism is no trust at all. And yet a lot of people, their attitude is when things happen in life, oh, just trust God. Well, that's not faith. That's fatalism. And it's deadly. Oh, well, you know, it's God's will. Give up. That's fatalism, not faith. And when you're in fatalism, you've moved away from the reality of God's life and God's love, and you've moved into this kind of thing, well, you know, God's almighty God, and I'm here, and what can I do? And, you know, we're weak. And uh, No, when we're weak, we're strong, because Christ is our strength. Hello? Let the weak say... Let the poor say, you know, you don't live in fatalism. And I want to go through it. Fatalism is centered on a religious presence. Uh, it's just, well, you know, God's, God's almighty, God's, he's in control. He works everything after the counsel of his own will. If he doesn't do it, I can't help myself. I hear people say that. It's a lie. Faith is centered on a personal God. Hey, you know, I have relationship with a personal God. It's not a kind of fatalism. Well, it's got up there and what can I do? Faith inspires action. Fatalism produces inaction. Or it's behavior caused by fear. You know, when things go wrong, fatalism creeps in. Oh, just trust God. Fat lot of good trusting God is if you haven't got faith. Hello? You understand what I'm saying? You've got to do something. When the woman who had an issue of blood was in, um, she'd spent all she could on physicians. And she was no better. In fact, she got worse. She heard of Jesus and she didn't go with fatalism, which is I can't do anything. She pushed through the crowd. She said, if I can just get to him, everything's going to change. She did not accept the circumstances. She did not accept what was obvious. Faith.
demands action. Blind Bartimaeus, he cried out and he cried the louder when they said, be quiet. Faith demands action. Inaction is fatalism. Is that clear? If you do this, do that, then you're going to get something. False. Faith results in true fellowship. Fatalism results in suspicion. You know, when a man has true fellowship with God, then he's open-faced. Always watch out for the man who hides things, who isn't open, doesn't walk in openness and in the light. People that hide things and are secretive have a thing to conceal. Great difference between a man of faith and someone who's just fatalistic, hides. Faith is grounded in knowing God. Fatalism is subtle and masks itself in religious language, e.g., God is faithful. And then it usually focuses only on only one aspect of God. You look for an aspect, you know, some scripture, and hang your hat on it. Is that plain? So a fatalist attitude is anti-Christian. And a lot of Christians don't walk by faith. It's fatalism. Well, we're predestined. What can I do? Well, if God doesn't do it. And yet I hear it said so much. It makes me so angry. Because it's a lie. You know, it's easy to turn around and say, Oh, well, I'm not born again, so what can I do? Well, I'll tell you what you can do. You can do what God says. God commands all men everywhere to repent. You've got to turn. The law is the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. You've got to learn that the law is there. It's not all free grace. And living in sin and living in the wrong things and excusing yourself because you can't help yourself is the wickedest lie of a devil that you can ever come across. And let me say, you are of your father the devil when you do it. It's false. Make no mistake. It's wrong, it's anti-God, it's anti-Christian, and it needs exposing for what it is, a lie. Well, I'll tell you what you can do. First thing you can do, you can acknowledge what Jesus Christ has done for you. 2,000 years ago, he took your sin and my sin into his own body on the tree. He became sin who knew no sin. God did something. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How dare you deny God? How dare you side with the devil? 
Because that's what you're doing. You're actually saying, well, God's a liar. He left me without hope. He's a savior. He came to save. He came to bring life. And life more abundant. He didn't come just to let you live in a kind of fatalistic attitude. Well, I can't help myself. You jolly well can. You're without excuse, O oh man, the Bible says. Moses said, choose this day who you'll serve. God or mammon. Choice. Don't say, oh, well, God didn't help me. You say, well, isn't God sovereign? Sure, God's sovereign. God sovereignly gave you a free will. And you have to make the right choices. Hey, God put us on the earth to make a difference. You say, well, how can one thing be like the other thing? How, how can they fit together? How can two op opposites be true? Because they are. What's your problem? Your problem is you want a cloak for your sin. Your problem is you want an excuse for your wretchedness. Your problem is you're deceived and deceiving. Your problem is you really reject the living God because there's satanic hate in your heart for righteousness. And you don't want to go the right way. That is the truth. You can put any name you like on it, but that's where it comes from. And when you start telling people that, oh, get offended. And so I thought it might help you this morning if we looked at a few scriptures. Uh, because I, I think, you know, you need it straight. Some people need telling straight. This morning, I want to challenge. I hate the devil. I hate his works. Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. You know, the devil's not going into the lake of fire on his own. He really isn't. And being in a church and living with fatalism and living in sin and living with a, a wrong attitude is destructive. And someone needs to tell you. You know, it says warn people. Well, here's your warning. The object of Abraham's faith was not God's promises, but God himself. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. As it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations, before whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. You know, Abraham, when he met with God, God took him out and called him a father of many nations. He hadn't even had a child. He and Sarah had no child, no offspring. And here's God calling him a father of many nations. 
And Abraham chose to believe that what God promised he could perform. He didn't know how, but he knew his God. But his faith was not based on fatalism. It was based on the word of God. God spoke. He said, nothing that God says is going to fall to the ground. I believe it. And that word, it's going to come to pass. God's able to perform it. That's faith. But it's based on the word of God. Fatalism is based on, oh, just trust God. Circumstances come up, oh, just trust God. That's not faith. I need to know what God says. I need to hear what God says. I need to live by the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I better hear him. I better know what he's saying. Fatalism, well, I'm a child of God. Whatever will be, will be. What can I do? Well, it's just circumstances of life. Well, it's just this, it's just that. And then you carry on down the same pathway to destruction, not aware that it shouldn't, you shouldn't even be on this pathway. How do you get there? What's the cause of it? How do you get outside of the living life of God and relationship and faith and you end up just drifting down the road to destruction? Going down the river to the Dead Sea. Just as a corpse. Hey, there are many people. I try and stir them. I try cajole them. I try preaching at them. I try challenging them. I try confronting them. And you know, they're as dead as mutton and they still hide. Nothing you can do. No matter what you do, there's some people that aren't going to change. They've set their course. And they're going to go that course and they're going to end up and they're going to get the wages of that course. Nothing you can do about it. And when you do confront them, they get mad at you. Which sows the spirit that's in them. See it? Uh, fatalism. Hey, our God is a good God. He's come with power and might. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. But you better hear. If you don't hear. And trouble is, sometimes you speak the word of God, people don't hear it. They can't. Because they're too bound up. Now look in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. What is faith? Okay, what is faith? Now faith is what? Substance of things hoped for. The evidence of... So you've got substance and evidence. If you don't get substance and evidence, you haven't got faith. You've got fatalism. Even when... God speaks, and you don't see it, you know it, 
because you have the substance of it in your spirit and it's already alive to you. And if it isn't alive to you, you haven't got it and it's fatalism. Substance evidence. Oh, I hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Abraham, when God said you're a father of many nations, he knew he hadn't got a son, he hadn't got an heir. He knew there was nothing he could do. And yet God said it. Do you know what he believed? He believed he was the father of many nations. <laughs> he became the very substance and evidence of it. You say, well, where was the child? Oh, it was 20 years down the line. That didn't matter to him. He had the substance and evidence. God said it. He knew it. He believed God. The moment you believe God, it's real to you. So real, nothing can change it. That is faith. I say, oh, you know, God. Real faith. Not fatalism. That's why after the day of Pentecost, you'll notice that there was never ever any pleading for more faith. Prior to Pentecost, they were always asking for more faith. After Pentecost, you have the Son living within you. He's the author and finisher. If you've got the author and finisher of faith living in you, and he, you have a relationship with him, you don't need an increase in faith. You have the very one who is the creator of heaven and earth living inside. You've got the substance of it. You've got the evidence of it. Hey, you're here to change the world. The world's not here to change you. Circumstances aren't here to break you down. You're here to break them down. The devil's not here to conquer you. You're here to conquer him. You're here to show everyone that he has no power. You're here to show everyone that you have a living God who lives in you. You're here to show everyone it can be different. That's what you're here for. Fatalism, oh, well, what can I do? In Acts, it's recorded that Stephen was full of faith and power. Of course he was. He was full of the Holy Ghost. If you're full of the Holy Ghost and God lives in you, you're full of faith and power. Two things you have in abundance. And faith is the substance and the evidence. Where is it? In your life. Irish real or it's Hamburg. Other New Testament quotes concerning faith. You know, we're sanctified by faith. We're purified by faith. We're justified by faith. We're righteousness by faith. Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. By grace are you saved through faith. We have the faith of God. We have the faith of Jesus. I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's what the Bible teaches. I live, nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. His faith. Faith. 
not fatalism. Difference is, you're God-motivated, not circumstance-motivated. Doesn't matter what the circumstance is. Noah lived in a day where there was total unrighteousness in the earth. Everything was wrong. Noah could have said, well, what can I do to change it? He was a righteous man. It grieved Noah. God came and said, build an ark. A hundred and twenty years... There was an ark being built, constructed, and Noah started. They'd never had rain, they'd never had a flood, and yet right in the middle of a desert, he's going, getting trees, looking for things, and building an ark. And people were looking at Noah and saying, what are you doing? Then he started collecting animals. What are you doing? Year after year it went by. Poor Noah built a big boat where there's no water. What are you doing? Faith is the substance, the evidence. Noah, there's never been a flood, there's never been rain. What are you doing? God said. What did he do? He built an ark. It saved him and his household. When he shut up the ark and he got inside, people thought he was crazy with all those animals. Noah. I'll tell you what Noah was doing. He was doing what God said. When it began to rain, they began to beat on the outside of the ark. It was shut up. They couldn't get in. Noah couldn't do anything about the unrighteousness of other men, but he sure did something about his own household. When the waters rose, the people outside perished. This happened. Faith, substance, evidence. You say, well, it took him a hundred years. Doesn't matter how long it takes. Matters that God said it. You build. Why do you build? Because God says build. Sometimes it's ridiculous. Doesn't seem logical. Doesn't seem rational. But you do what you know God said to do. Romans 10, verse 17. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, the only way you can hear God is when you choose to get to the place where you can hear. If you live a life of sin and you live a life of rebellion, you're never going to hear God because you shut your ears to God. You don't want to hear him. You want to live your own way and do your own thing. Don't say God doesn't speak, just say you refuse to listen to him. When Stephen stood up and he started telling the people, he said, you are guilty of murdering the Son of God who came. 
And he started preaching in the power of the Holy Ghost. And his face shone like an angel's. What did they do? They shut their ears, they gnashed their teeth, and they showed their venom and hate by stoning him to death. What they didn't want to do was hear God. And I want to tell you, it's just the same today. Nothing changes. There are people who want to be righteous and want to live the right way, and the law comes, and they realize they can't help themselves, and they cry out to God, O oh, wretched man that I am. And there are those who just don't want to hear, and they make excuses to live in riotous living, and they go the wrong way because that's what's really in them. They're a child of the devil, and they're driven by their own desires. You say, well, can it be that clear? Yes, it's that clear. Let me just show you. You know, you don't believe it's in the Bible. Or maybe you do believe it's in the Bible. 1 John 5, verse 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith overcomes. You know... If you look in Revelation, to him that overcometh will I give. To him that overcometh. You know, the church has to have overcomers. Those that conquer. There are those that overcome circumstances, overcome situations, overcome trials, and there's those who are overcome by them. There's those who are overcome by sin. There are those who are overcome by circumstances and they are destroyed. And there are the overcomers. And one is fatalism and the other is faith. Is that plain? We're called to be overcomers. We're not called to be failures. We're called to be more than conquerors. Fatalism. We're overcome. We're defeat. Now, there's reasons for it. And you have to make up your mind. There's no virtue in someone thinking they're clever to defy God. Doesn't take a man to defy God, it takes a wimp to go the world's way and to live in sin and to live in unrighteousness and to go with the flow of the world shows you have no backbone, no strength, no manhood, you're just a wimp. It takes a man to stand in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation and say, I'm going to be different. I'm going to live according to God's principle. That takes a man. The wimp excuses himself. Well, I can't help myself. What can I do? Ah, I'm not born again. I haven't, you know, if God hasn't done anything, I just can't. And along they go the world's way and live like devils. They're not men. They're not fit to be called men. 
They're a disgrace to humanity. That's what the Bible says. I happen to be a Bible believer. Hope you are. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Hmm? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad I came this morning. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> time to wake up, isn't it? Well, isn't it time to wake up? Wake up, call. You know what a preacher does? He stands on the wall and he watches and he blows the trumpet. And he makes a certain sound. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises up a standard against him. Why? Because Jesus Christ is manifested to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he came to do. Okay, look in uh, 1 John, chapter 5, verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Who is he that overcometh? Huh? He that believeth what? You know what the problem is? You don't believe who Jesus is. If you did, you'd be an overcomer. If you get overcome, it's because you don't believe who he is. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that beareth witness, because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. I I find people, men talk. Let me tell you something about men. Any man, when he relays anything, relays it from the depth of his heart and he puts the spin on it that is to his nature, according to his nature. That's the way man is. Man never speaks truth. He can't. The natural man lies. Just part of his being. Can't help himself, he's just a liar. Why? Because he belongs to the devil. So it doesn't matter what he says... He's always going to lie. As long as you know that. The lie will be deceived uh, because it will be truth out of balance. And truth out of balance is a lie. That's how natural man is. Can't help himself because he belongs to the serpent. So everything. Now... I won't receive the witness of men because the witness of God is greater. 
I'd prefer to hear what God's got to say about it, not what man's got to say. You know, I hate it. There are people who want to argue. about. He said this, she said that. Well, look, it doesn't matter what he or she said. It matters what you interpreted as. And it matters the source of spirit it came from. And you can go, and I've found out, you, you deal with married couples. Yeah, she said this, he said that, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? I don't. Let's get it straight. It doesn't matter what anyone says, it matters what God says. If you're going to receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. About time you listen to God. Had a relationship with God. Who cares what man said? Uh, I got offended because you said this. I got offended because you said that. The only issue is the issue you have in the bitterness of your heart because you've never learned to live like a Christian. My Bible says, if a brother offend against you seven times 70 in one day, how many times is that? Andrew. 490. 490 times in one day. What are you to do? What? Then how can you silly wives think of things that your husband said 20 years ago? Or 10 years ago? And how can your husband, oh, you know, my wife did this. Hey! What spirit works in you? Not Christ's spirit. No wonder the disciples before Pentecost, they immediately said to Jesus, Oh Lord, increase our faith. You know, people harbor things. Huh? Someone got it wrong. Well, bully for them. We're part of humanity. We know in part. Hmm? Well, are you perfect? Well, are you? You see, the cloak of sin is always, who's the accuser of the brethren? Who's the accuser of the brethren? Who's the accuser of the brethren? Satan. That's what my Bible says. Hmm? And he, he accuses night and day. wonder who you listen to. Uh, and, you know, the strange thing about the accuser of the brethren, he accuses the brethren, he doesn't accuse you. <laughs> it's always foisting onto someone else. See? The blame is always someone else's. But when you slice the pie and it's all done, you are responsible for you. Not what anyone else did. Not what circumstances have done. That's it. No good saying, well, if only I had, you know, nicer people around me. You'd pollute them. <laughs> if only, you know, I had the, uh, the, hey, it's always great to make an excuse. You're the accuser of the brethren, you see. It's not my fault. 
What can I do? I can't help myself. It's my father did this. My mother did that. My grandfather did this. I inherited it. It's not my fault. Jolly well is. But the devil, when he gets inside of someone, it, it deflects. You know, you can always excuse yourself by accusing others, can't you? Hmm? Hello? Well, everyone does it, don't you know? Well, we're not talking about everyone, I tell people. We're talking about you. There are people who have all sorts of crazy ideas. Let me tell you something about it. The only person you'll hurt with your bitterness is yourself. The only person you hurt with resentment is yourself. And I'll tell you, you might be totally justified in your own mind, but before God, you're totally unjustified. And that's where the issue lies. Now, the kind of fatalistic man is, it happened, it happened, because it happened. You know, I, I, I've read excuses people give when they send in insurance claims. They crash in their car, and they send in stupid excuses like, I hit this tree which shouldn't have been there. I, I mean, you, if you hit a tree that was there, the fact it was there is why you hit it. This man stepped onto the pedestrian crossing, so I ran him over. It's no excuse to say he stepped out. You shouldn't have been driving that fast. I ran into the car coming the opposite way on the wrong side of the road because he was there. What were you doing on the wrong side of the road? Well... I was overtaking, but it, the car that was coming was there and should have stopped. Unfortunately, it didn't. And people make excuses. When it comes to marriage, it's amazing. Do you know the, the rows people have? I well remember one well-known preacher used to get mad at his wife because she thought she played the piano better than he did. And there used to be quarrels over who was the best player. And then the husband would get up and repent of feeling that he was better than his wife. Now, if I get up and tell my wife, uh, you know, darling, I, I really must repent for believing I'm a better cook than you are. Can you imagine how my food would deteriorate <laughs> if, if it was ever produced? Uh, you know, the fact that I had to teach her to cook <laughs> is irrelevant, you know. There's a lot of things in life you've got to be careful about. 
You see, the devil's artful. I tell you what, he's out to destroy. And he uses every wile he knows, every trick he knows. But boy, this fatalistic thing is the most devilish thing of all. Just trust God. You say, well, it says in the Bible, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, do what? Acknowledge him and he will do what? Direct your paths. Now your paths, you've got to walk in. But you better hear him to know how you've got to walk. And if you take trust in the Lord and you don't bring the rest in, I'll tell you what you end up in, fatalism. Taking something out of context. Making a pretext for it. I found in life you've got to get on and do things. No one who took exams, took exams and they just trusted God. They had to work. In life, you have to work. If you want to accomplish something, you have to work, don't you? No one owes you anything. God says it will bless the work of your hands. Don't take it out of context. Don't live in delusion. That's false faith. Is that rational? Substance, evidence. I always find people can excuse failure. Fatalism. Well, I tried. Nothing I ever do succeeds. Everything goes wrong. There are some people with an ability to go wrong. Just, you know, they're lazy. Poverty comes with a little sitting down, a little folding of the hands. Okay, let's just have a quick look at, at one or two things in Scripture. Turn with me to, to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. I'll quickly go through these. 1 Corinthians 2. Verse 12 says this. Now. When? Now. When? We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Look, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. You say, there you are, what can I do? I'm a natural man. I can't know the things of the Spirit of God. See? Fatalism. I've got an excuse. God says, can't receive them well if that was the only scripture you'd be okay but unfortunately for you it isn't turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 
Ephesians 2 verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now listen to me. I, make it, I want to make this clear. If you walk according to the world, if you walk according to the spirit that works in the children of disobedience, you're siding with the devil against God. You're walking the devil's way because you reject God. You're saying to God, I won't have anything to do with you. I'm going to go the world's way. You're rejecting God. Wherein in time, verse 2, past, you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan. You're walking according to his law, his way. His life. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our manner of life in times past. In the desires of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath. Even as others. Hey, your nature was the nature of a child of wrath. You chose to go the devil's way. You chose to walk according to the world. You chose to walk according to the spirit of this world. It defines you. The Bible defines who you are. You're a child of the devil. You made a choice to be a child of the devil. You walk according to his way. That's not a smart move, is it? Well, it's not a smart move, is it? Let's look on. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John 3, verse 14. Oh, let's take verse 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Don't be amazed if the world don't like you. In fact, it's going to get worse than don't like. They hate you. Why do they hate you? Because you're blessed. Because you have life. And then it goes on. We know that we have passed from death into life because what? We love. Now, what does the devil do? He accuses. He accuses who? The brethren. What does the Spirit of God do? Loves the brethren. Oh, it's easy to know who's who. You just have to listen to what comes out of their mouths. Love or hate. Huh. That's easy. 
We know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Boy. In other words, it's to do with lifestyle. It's not love in word, it's love in deed. See, someone who walks in life, his whole attitude is a life of laid down service and commitment. We love the brethren. If you don't love the brethren, you're worse than a murderer. That's plain, isn't it? Hello? Now we know we pass from death to life because we do it. <laughs> you know, as I said, and I'll repeat it. I know when someone's born again. I'll tell you how I know, and it's very easy. They love me. And it takes the Spirit of God to love me. Without the Spirit of God, you aren't going to love me. That's it. We love the brethren. I know how to pick out who's who. It's a kind of love-hate relationship. The world hates you. Don't marvel at it. It's just part of the package. But when people come into life, they love you. I tell you, this woman that wrote that nice letter, I didn't read out a bit of it because I was embarrassed. She thinks I'm wonderful. <laughs> I wasn't going to read that bit out. I left it out. Why did I leave it out? I'll tell you why I left it out, so I could tell you now. <laughs> she doesn't know what's happened to her. You see, when God meets a man, changes his inside. And when it changes his inside, instead of becoming an accuser, he becomes a lover. Watch out for the person who sits in the seat of the scornful. Ah. You know, well, you know, living this way, you know, I you know, I can't how many women are moaning, little women. Uh, they moan, you know, where I, I want to get married and that, and then there's the men, you know. Bleh. Wrong attitudes, stinking attitudes. It's amazing how it works in people. You see, they're governed, it tells you what they're governed by. <laughs> it's amazing. They're governed by their own desires, their natural desires, and they just can't get rid of them. And they're driven by them. Make no mistake about it. That's the way to unreality. 
It's a now society. That's the spirit of the world. That's the wrong spirit, just fulfilling your own desires and your own lusts and your own wants. Doesn't matter that there's a biblical way of living. All they want to do is be driven by their lusts and their desires. I'll tell you what happens. It ends in destruction. God intends us to live different. Was that plain? Hello? Hey, God is a good God. God came to lift me up, not destroy me. Jesus came to save me. But I better make sure... I don't go according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. I live different. John 10. You know, when you come to church, you come to be challenged, I hope. If you don't, you shouldn't come to this church. It's dangerous. John 10, verse 10. The thief. Oh, look, let's take it. Uh, Verily, verily, seven, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pastures. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Look, there's two types of people in life. Now listen to me and listen good. The devil is the thief and the devil's motive and when you go according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that works in the children of disobedience I want you to know what he's about and what he's doing okay now this is what Jesus says of the prince of the power of the air Satan has one objective and one objective only and that is to do what to steal to kill And to destroy. That's what the devil does. He's come to steal. He's come to kill. He's come to destroy. Now if you walk according to the spirit of this world. According to the prince of power of the air. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And you align yourself with him. You need to realize something. The devil's only come to do one thing. To kill. To steal. And to destroy. And you're saying, that's the God I want. That's the master I want. That's the one I want. It's called the world. And you're saying, yes, yes, I want to be stolen from. I want to be killed. I want to be destroyed. And you're saying to God, I don't want your salvation. I don't want to live your way. I don't want the gift of grace. I don't want to turn from my sin. I don't want to hear your word. I want to go with someone who's going to kill, who's going to steal, and who's going to destroy. That's what you're doing. Now, is that sanity? Is that sanity? 
But that's what you do. And then Jesus said, but there is a true God, and this is what he's come to do. I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. Hey, here you've got someone offering you life, and life in abundance, and here you've got someone saying, I've come to steal, I've come to kill, I've come to destroy. And you align your spirit with the one who's saying, that's what I've come to do. And here's Jesus saying, hey, I've come to give you life, and life more abundant. <laughs> if I knew someone was coming to steal, to kill and destroy, why would I align my spirit with them? Because I'm a devil. That's the reason. The only reason. You align your spirit with the thing you are. You're a child of the devil. John 8. John 8. Verse 44. Jesus talks to the religious people, to the fatalists of his day, Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, and he says this to them. You are of your father the devil. The desires of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. <laughs> Here. Do you know... He said to these people, he said, you've got a problem. God's not your father. The devil is. And I want to ask you this morning which family you belong to. <laughs> is the devil your father or is God? It's that plain. Are you going according to the spirit of this world? The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience which makes you a child of the devil? And the only thing you're going to do is steal, kill and destroy? Or are you going to change and say, No, I'm going to live for the living God. He came to give me life and life more abundant. And you cannot have a foot in both camps. Your nature determines your destiny. Is that plain? You know this is called a seeker-friendly meeting. You see, I'm a friend of the seeker, I'm an enemy of the sinner. They just don't know what it means. Jesus said to them, you're of your father. Isn't it terrible that there were people, <laughs> the devil's their father. Hey, it's easy to know. 
whether the devil's your father or not, it's by the fruit of your life, how you live. It's not what you are in this building, it's what you are when you walk out that door. <laughs> that tells you what you are. See, God doesn't compel anyone. You've got a free will. He's sovereign. He gave you choice. You don't have choice when you never heard the word of God. But once you've heard the truth, do you know you're ten times more condemned by hearing the truth and rejecting it? You're not clever and smart to side with a devil who's only come to destroy you, who's come to kill you, who's come to steal from you, is suicidal, isn't it? And here's someone who says, hey, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. And you say, I don't want that. I want the spirit of the world. I want to live according to the world's way. Jesus Christ is the truth. Jesus Christ is the way. Jesus Christ is the life. Amen? I don't want to go the devil's way. I don't want to have the devil as my father, thank you very much. And I tell you this, you know, don't worry about your natural father, worry about your spiritual father. You've got problems. You need to change who your father is. That's why when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, the first cry of the Spirit is, Abba, Father. You know God's your father. Then you better live as a son. Don't think just because you went into the father's house and you were born there that you necessarily are living there. You might be in a pig pen in a far country and you're just trusting God. I tell you, you won't get out of the pig pen till you come to yourself. You need to evaluate things as they really are. Half the problem with people, they come to me, oh, you know, I don't know what's wrong. I had people come to me, oh, I don't know what's wrong. I, uh, I'll tell you this, until you come to honesty. I tell people, go and look in a mirror. Look at yourself. See what God says. If you don't do that, you're going to be destroyed. Prodigal son, he was a son, but he better have a look. How'd I get here? How did everything go wrong? You better examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. That's what Paul says. Weigh it all up, examine it. One John three. Aren't you pleased you came? I think confrontation's good. Don't you? Hmm? You know, if someone's stealing from you, gonna, about to kill you, it's about time someone told you what's going on. 1 John 3... In this, 
The children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Doesn't say love everyone, his brother. You see, there's special love for the household of faith. And that's where you find out whether someone's real or not. Love. You know, and not sentimental love. Real love. Got to care. You know, when I was over in, in uh, America, I, I had people come out, flock out for prayer. And there were three men asked to pray for people. And I was on the right-hand side. And unfortunately, the crowd I had to pray for, or fortunately, I don't know, was about five times as big as anyone else. I, I started praying for them, and I get involved. When I pray for people, my mind... Uh, and it wasn't till I got to the last three people, I suddenly realized that the rest of the people had left the hall. They didn't care. You know, when someone needs help, there should be people that care enough. You know, if you can't care for someone and you can't care for your brethren and you haven't got time for them, there's something sick about you. Two Corinthians four. I love this book. Thy word is a light to my feet. Shows me how to walk. Okay. Now if you're one of those that says, well I can't help myself. God has to do it. Let me show you what the Bible says. Because the Bible contradicts you. In 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, verse 1. Seeing we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God, and not of us. Verse 4, or verse 3, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom? The God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not. Do you know the God of this world, he wants to blind your mind. How does he blind a mind? I'll tell you how he blinds a mind. He gets you living for your own desires, your own ambitions, your own wants, and living your own way in total rebellion to God. And you think you're clever. 
and you're destroying your own life and you're following a thief, a murderer and a destroyer. And the God of this world lets you think you're neutral. You've set yourself against God and you are going to reap the wages of what you do. As surely as night follows day and the God of this world blinds your mind and you think you're just living life and experiencing life to the full and just having fun, fool. You're walking according to the world, the spirit that works and the children of... The devil's got you and you think you'll get away with it. Ephesians 4. This I say therefore, in verse 17, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned of Christ, if so be you've heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former manner of life the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Hey, look, you've got choices, haven't you? Well, look up. Look at me. You've got choices, haven't you? You either choose to go the right way or you choose to go the wrong way. Do you know I heard... Some young idiots turn around and said, oh, they can lead a double life. Well, I want to tell you, you can't. You either live for God or you live for the devil. You're either a child of God or a child of the devil. It's that plain. Choose who you're going to serve. Don't ever get the idea that you can mess in two camps. You can't. It's just plain. John. John's Gospel. John, uh, let me see, chapter 13. The Lord, when he washed the disciples' feet, says, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Do you know what washing of feet means? It means you take the water of the word and you let people see how they're walking in life. 
It's symbolic, but it's also actual fact. You know, your feet, how beautiful are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, glad tidings of good news. Hey, it's the messenger who comes. And I'll tell you what he comes to do. He comes to say, it's time you change your walk. It's time you said, hey, it's time you grew up. It's time you took responsibility for your actions. It's time. It's time. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gifted him. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save. He didn't come to destroy, he came to heal. He didn't come to deprive, he came to give us life, and life more abundant. Now the devil's come to steal and to kill and to destroy. But you see, you can enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, but know what the one who's taking you that way is doing. He's come to kill you, he's come to destroy you, and he's come to steal from you your very life. And Jesus has come to save you. He became sin and you know sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. Who are you going to serve? Serve God? Serve the devil? It's that plain. Light and dark can in no wise dwell together. There's no neutral. You won't be able to say in that day, well, I just did good. You either go according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience, or you walk God's way. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that's not just saying Jesus is Lord. It's a confession comes from a lifestyle lived. Fatalism says, oh, I can't help myself. The word of God says, repent. That means you turn round and you go the right way. That means you make up your mind, you're not going to serve the devil one second longer. That means you make a break with the past and you have new life in Christ. Choice. God has given you the ability to turn. Repentance is a gift. It's a gift of God. He's purchased, he's paid the price. It's done can't be undone and the only reason you'll remain a sinner this day is because you choose to reject the living God you say to the Lord Jesus Christ no I won't have you ruling over me I'll live my own life I'll go my own way that's what you're saying 
And you're rebelling and you're saying, I want the devil to be my Lord. That's what you're saying to God by your actions. Quite a stark choice, isn't it? Hello? Hello? Don't worry about going to hell. That's not even an issue. We're talking about life now. How are you gonna, who are you going to serve? Sin or God? The devil and Satan or the living God. That's Christianity. Don't know I can make the gospel any simpler. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together. Hey, it's already a done deal. When we were dead in trespass and in sins, he quickened us together with him. So don't you tell me that you've got to wait for God. He's already done everything. Quicken us together with Christ. By grace are you saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Is that plain? Hello? Don't you hide in your sin and say, God hasn't done it, God's already done it. He already bled and died on Calvary's tree. He became sin and you know sin. And he's made a quickening life available to everyone who comes. My Bible says anyone who comes to God, he'll in no wise cast him out. My Bible says that you're free to come. Whomsoever will may come. I have preached to you the word of God. And as I stand before God, may it eternally be to your account. And your blood be on your own head. If you turn around and say, this day I'll serve the devil. Because know this, you have a choice. You serve God or you serve the devil. You'll be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Everything's been done for you. You have no right to defy God. You have no right to say, I'll live my own way. It's been done. And Paul wrote to the church and he said, your blood be on your own heads. You're responsible for your life. Don't you hide. Don't you make excuse. 
If the God of this world has blinded your mind because you're so driven by your animal lusts and animal desires, you've got a problem. And it's about time you turn from it. Stop serving the devil. Serve the living God. I'll tell you what. Jesus, he got so mad one time, he got a whip, he drove the money changers out of the temple. Whipped them out. Said, you've made my house a den of thieves. Who's the thief? The devil. Who's come to steal? The devil. And Jesus said, you took the very temple of God and made it a den of thieves. This day you're serving one or the other. You see, when you get baptized in water, what you're saying is, old life gone, new life come. What you've got to do is say, I don't want to serve the devil anymore. (laughs) I want to be a child of God. And you can't have two fathers. No man can serve two masters. He'll love one and despise the other. Too many Christians going about trying to have a foot in both camps, think they can live like the world and serve God. You can't. You despise God in the end. Despise the things of God, the precious things of God. Take it for granted. What a living hell. To take for granted the things of God. To act as though it's not important. Do you know how God heals, how God delivers? We've seen so many miracles. So many interventions of God. How can it be that people would choose to serve the devil? Choose you this day whom you'll serve. that simple let's pray choice father I just pray you said your word sharper than two edged sword it divides between soul and spirit Light manifest darkness, Lord. That was your promise. Lord, I pray you'll be faithful as you always are. And no one can walk away and say the God of this world blinded me. Lord, I pray you'll bring everyone out of fatalism and into true faith. Out of the lie into your glorious truth. Out of death and into life more abundant. Out of deception and into freedom.
out of poverty and into the riches of glory. Master. Lord Jesus. You know this day you can choose who you serve. I don't think I can say it any clearer. I don't know I could challenge you anymore. Jesus never came to condemn anyone. He came to save you from slavery. The slavery of sin. The slavery of this world. The slavery of your own desires and passions. The slavery of your delusions. He loves you. You know, this day you could break free from the master who would destroy and steal and kill and come to the one who's the true God who came to give you life. It's just a choice. A choice. Are you going to reject him? Or are you going to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God? And come out of the wrong and into the right. Father, you see every heart here. You know the depths of every soul. There's nothing secret that won't be manifest. Lord Jesus, Lord, there's a wonderful free gift you give. You know the Holy Ghost is a true and faithful witness. You can make up your mind this day. Say from this day, my allegiance is going to change. From this day, I'm going to belong to him. Sometimes people need to hear it straight. And if there's one thing I can do.
Let's preach it straight. Let's lift our hands to heaven. Father, I just pray for each one. Lord, all those who are so needy, that you'll heal. Let your healing power flow to each one, I pray. Quicken, make a lie. Lord Jesus, this day. Lord, and I pray for each sick person here. Lord, your healing power is here. Just quicken each body. Lord, I rebuke the devourer. Let your healing power flow to each one. From this day, let everything change. Every oppression on the mind, the body, I break its power. I command life and health. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.